This episode was helped brought to you by our newest sponsor, Kelowna Brewing Company. They're a brewery out there in Eastern Iowa. So if you're in the area, make sure to stop by Kelowna and check out their brewery. Great food at the restaurant there, great beer, obviously. If you're in the Midwest, check out any Hy-Vee's. I believe they carry the six packs and they have different types of flavors. So you guys are gonna wanna, you know, definitely try that out. And I think throughout this whole process, Fishing Kid and myself for Beer Fish Fanatics, we're gonna be doing some giveaways here and there. If you guys can go ahead and tag us here and there with your Kelowna beer. So other than that, enjoy the episode guys. Record now, and then Kit, you're gonna have to tell me how you did today, Kit. I know, I know you're fishing, right? So you have to let me know. Uh, there's not a lot to tell, really. <laughs> good, huh? That's bad news. <laughs> I know, man. That's not promising for the weekend, brother. <laughs> it'll, it'll probably be like a 30 second uh, little little spiel. Okay, that's all good. <laughs> no, no worries, man. All right, is it recording, everybody? Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, welcome to another episode of Beer Fish Fanatics. This is Grandy with Mop Pop Fishing. We got Kit with the Fishing Kit YouTube channel. And today, by popular demand, we have a gentleman that uh, I think everybody's a little bit familiar with his, with his face, with his voice, um, but primarily with his knowledge. So uh, today we have uh, Jeff Kapaska with Iowa DNR joining us again. Thank you, sir. Thank you for inviting me. I've been looking forward to this. It's, uh, we had a great time the last time, and and I expect to have uh, a bunch of fun here tonight. Can't yeah, wait. Welcome back. Welcome back. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is, like, I, I seriously, everybody has been asking, a lot of our listeners have been asking, they're like, when are you going to get that DNR guy back again? So, uh, and then I told him, though, I, I know we were trying to get you on a little bit earlier because, uh, but you had the netting and everything. We'll, we'll, we'll jump into that in a little bit, but um, you're a busy man, busy man. So it's called Beer Fish Fanatics. Got to grab a beer. So today I'm going to go uh, straight to our, uh, uh, sponsor Kelowna Brewing. I'm doing the double night vision, the Belgian style ale double. I think this is the one that Kit always or has before. So I'm going to yeah. go into this bad boy tonight. What are you doing, Kit? I got the such a much IPA from Kelowna Brewing. I, I've probably had this one like three times on the show already. Nice. And it's green. So we can't even see your yeah, it's green. So, <laughs> it's my, green. And my green screens making it all wonky. <laughs> what do you got, Jeff? What are you drinking, sir? All righty. Well, I uh, I like to fly the local flag, so I've got an alluvial beer from uh, my home here in Ames, one of my favorite breweries, uh, the O. Henry Bat- Batata. That's their autumn ale. So I got the last four pack uh, earlier this winter, and I've been saving and savoring them. And uh, this is one of my last ones. It is a sweet potato and toasted marshmallow autumn uh ale and it is fantastic sweet potato marshmallow toasted marshmallow you know like thanksgiving Uh, dinner uh, oh yeah yeah that does kind of remind me of a fall time yeah you know what yeah that's that's not a the bad combination thinking about it now so i wanted to try that is it one of those is it just a seasonal for them or or was it just a limited release yeah, it's a seasonal every October, November they they have it. So right. yep. we're gonna have to try. We, we got to get up to Ames and and, and try some of uh, some of the breweries up there. I haven't been up there in a while, so we definitely got to get up there to try some of the breweries up there, um, so we can taste some of that good old beer that freaking Jeff gets to taste. So cheers, gentlemen! <laughs> All right, cheers. Cheers. 
Oh yeah, that's good. I'm not gonna lie though, this um, double night vision. I think we talked about that before. It's seven point six alcohol content. Um, I don't know if I can do a lot of these, <laughs> but it's it's pretty damn good. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> we talk. If we talk for two hours again tonight, you might uh, you might be in trouble, Grandy. That's true. Hey, that's okay. I, I like you were like you were telling us before. I spent my time with the kids today. I did a little bit of the lawn. Um, I, I did all the 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 the, the honey do list today. So I, I I'm pretty good. My wife said, you know what? You got a couple hours. Go have fun. She said. So go. She she <laughs> said go learn. She goes first. Ask kid if he caught any fish because the daughters are hungry because I haven't been fishing lately. And then second, she said go learn how to fish from you guys because she goes. I don't have that much faith in you this weekend. I go, thanks, honey. Love you too. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I, she'll, she'll, she'll definitely say she said that. So no pressure on you to help me get on some fish. All right, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, Do our I, best. I guess I'll touch on my little fishing trip I had this afternoon. Yeah. How'd you do, um, man? Caught one white bass, maybe third, third or fourth cast in. And then that was it. Really? Was it just. Yeah. Well, the, the weather wasn't too bad today. Was it too windy where you're at? Or uh, It wasn't too windy, but there was this gentleman there. He was using minnows, hmm. and he probably caught like five while I was there. So I, I guess it was like a live bait bite. Gotcha. All right. Well, we'll see this weekend. I know I know the spot you're thinking of taking me. Hopefully, it'll yeah. come up, I, right? I, I'm just hoping this cold weather hasn't you know yeah. pushed them back a little bit. Because it's, it's been cold in the mornings, like mid-30s every morning. Yep, you're right. So we'll, yeah, we've definitely gone back to March type weather uh, this last week, and um, it, it I'm confident that uh, it's definitely slowed them down and pushed them a little deeper than than they were. Okay. We'll, we'll be that gives me kayak. confidence. That gives me confidence that I somewhat know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll be on our kayaks, kids, so we can at least try go a little bit deeper if we can uh, yeah. this weekend. But uh, nobody wants to hear us talk about fishing. So let, let's get to it because uh, on social media, Facebook, and I see a lot of people have been posting. They, they saw you guys out there. They saw the Iowa DNR out there uh, doing your survey, doing the netting, everything. Um, I know we wanted to get you on here a couple of weeks ago, but I know you're super busy. But this is going to be perfect because I want to know. And, you know, Fishing Kit wanted to know. Everybody wants to know. How did it go? What was, you know, what did it entail? Um Tell us a little bit about it because honestly, I don't really know too much about it. I, I just see the pictures that you guys post and it's just like, holy crap, you know, if that's in that lake. So type of deal. Yep. So how yeah, did it go, Jeff? All right. So let's start with talking about Big Creek. Um, the, the numbers in terms of walleyes are the best that we've ever had. Wow. Okay. So now there's, there's a variety of factors at play. Those, those fish are feeding on the shad and they're growing and, and there's lots of them. Our, our stocking has been very successful. So we, and, you know, we had that warm weather. So the water was probably a little bit warmer than normal. It warmed up really fast because we had like those couple 80 degree windy days. Mm -hmm. And so the water really got warmer faster. So I think that brought more fish up out of the deep water into the shallow and, and getting ready to spawn than perhaps we might normally experience. But um, in five nights, you know, you're working really hard if we process 200 fish through our, our trailer where we weigh and measure and everything else. And we were processing 
upwards of 230, 250, 270 fish a night. We, in five nights, we had well over a thousand fish from uh, Big Creek, uh, walleyes and a few muskies. And it was, they were, they're in great condition. We had uh, walleyes up to 31 inches, uh, about 13 pounds uh, out of Big Creek. We had a 44 inch, 30 pound muskie. Um, and we've seen 50 inch muskies out of there. And, uh, this year for the first time, we also were, um, bringing in some of the hybrid striped bass, the wipers. Mm. And, uh, we just wanted to get a handle on what, what those fish were looking like in that system. And it looks like maybe right now they're, you know, 21, 22 inches, three, four, five pounds. Um, but they're really healthy fish. I mean, just phenomenal condition. Um, those things are gonna rip the rod almost out of your hands. You know, you get into a mess of them on on Big Creek. So, so what we saw at Big Creek was really promising. Now, now we know what Big Creek Big Creek is like. We know that once those shad spawn, come June, those fish get a lot harder to catch. Mm-hmm. But but between now and then, it's gonna be it should be really good. You know, this cold weather probably slowed them down a little bit. And that the, the way Big Creek works is a lot of those fish migrate down toward the deep water, the rocky habitat along the dam and the lower end of the lake this time of year. And then as spring progresses, they, they stop hanging out there and they gradually move their way back up the lake. So um, if I was going to go fishing down there now, I'd start at the dam and and when the time comes that i'm not catching them there anymore i'd i'd work my way up the lake but yeah big creek's looking fantastic that's exciting news honestly i mean i I think a lot of people are going to hear that they're going to be like holy cow they're going to it's going to it's going to pump up their juices for sure (laughs) yeah i think i think i know where i'm going tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) yeah no big creek is uh is a what an awesome destination so close to so many anglers in Des Moines. So uh, I think absolutely a great place to catch some walleyes and, and those, the, we caught the, the wipers in the nets with the walleyes. So they're running around um, the shallow water in the evenings also. So, yep. so um, let me ask you, Jeff, uh, this, this whole netting survey thing. So um, what are you guys uh, doing with the data? And when you say, process a fish like what do you what do you mean by processing you know a walleye or whatever okay so absolutely that's a great question kit so we bring that we net the fish we put um six eight ten eleven nets out depending on wind conditions and how many fish we're seeing and stuff like that Uh, all the fish get brought back to the ramp Uh, we put them in a tank and then we take the length of that fish. So we measure each fish, we weigh each fish, and then we put um, tags in each of the fish. So we, we put it over a receiver because it's the same um, type of receiver that we have on the dam where we put the fish barrier. So we can tell when our tagged fish leave the system, um, which is now not very often. Uh, because because of the fish barrier, it's been very effective. It's really helping to improve that fish population. But we we see if the fish that has been brought in already has a tag, and if it does, then we have data from the previous times that it was captured, and now we have some idea how well it's growing, uh, both in length and weight. 
through time. And then uh, if it hasn't been tagged yet, then we put a tag in it. And we do that for all of the walleyes and the muskies. So we, uh, we take those measurements and everything. And then each year we do what we call a fin clip. So that's a mark on the fish. Like this year we cut the white tips off of the walleye tails. Um, and we do that so that we know it's a fish that we caught in 2021. And, you know, we did a different thing in 2019, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So just a variety of things that we do uh, in terms of what we call processing that fish. And then we release all of those fish back into the lake. And some fish we get multiple times in one year. Uh, so many fish we get in consecutive years, things like that. So um, there are there are literally, you know, thousands of fish out there that have these tags in them. So, yep. How often do you guys net uh, throughout the year? How many times so do you guys we do? do one intensive effort in the spring where we do five nights at Big Creek and five nights at Brushy Creek. And the reason that we do that at this time of year is that the water temperatures are low. And when we get the fish tangled in these gill nets, if you leave those out for a long time, it'll kill the fish and it warm water temperatures when they're when their metabolism is higher. It's also a lot harder on the fish. So we do it when the temperatures are colder and then we will release 99% of those fish back alive. Um, mm. If we did that in the summer, we'd kill all the fish. So then around late October, early November, we'll go back and do this again, but we'll only do it for one or two nights at each lake. And, you know, I'm talking about this, this project. It's not my project. My coworker, Ben Dodd, who's the fisheries biologist there in, in Boone for the Des Moines area and for the central Iowa area, he is, he's the lead on this project. Um, and so he's the, the super expert on it, but I do, I handle all the fish. I hand the fish to, uh, I, I hold the fish while Ben puts the tags in the fish. And we have another person uh, copying down and, and recording all the data in, in our little trailer while we're out there working. Takes a big team. We've got uh, two electro fishing boats out there and one uh, boat that, that handles the nets. And we've got uh, two or three people, sometimes four people on each of those um, boats. Uh, Tyler Stubbs is out there with us. I don't know, no, don't know if you've talked to our aquatic uh, invasive species folks at all, but uh, Kim Bogenschutz and Jason Euchner are out there. Um, folks from our Rath, or our uh, Sheraton research team, Rebecca Krogman and Savannah Mulbauer are there. And so, uh, yeah, we've got a, a big crew and then, and then folks from Iowa State. So they, there's grad students from Iowa State that are working on this project as well. They work in Dr. Michael Weber's lab and uh, they do a lot of the analysis of the data um, that we collect in this project. So, yeah, nice. it's a it's a big team, a great team, and uh, and a great team to work with. Yeah, remind me, we definitely want to reach out to the uh, invasive species. I have some questions for for the the specialists on that because I'm pretty sure a lot of people are not you know well informed about you know invasive species. So that would be a pretty cool uh, episode to have them on that. So that'd be cool. You bet. I uh, will we'll share that information after we get off the air. So so, but great question, Kit. Great question. I hope yeah. I answered it to your, to your liking. Yeah. More, more, more than I was expecting actually. 
Um, was there any uh, surprises when you guys were doing the, the netting this year? Uh, we were pleasantly surprised by the numbers. I was, I personally was surprised with the wipers. I, I did not expect them to be that, um, that awesome. Um, we're not sure if they are, um, we're not sure if they are maybe kind of stalling out at 21, 22 inches, if they're going to get bigger or not. We're, we're not sure about that. So that's something we want to keep an eye on. Uh, one of the other things, we stock both the uh, eight inch, eight inch advanced fingerling fish from mm -hmm. Rathman Hatchery, as well as fry. And uh, we've been uh, happily surprised that um, our fry stocking is doing exceptionally well in Big Creek. And uh, that's a less costly alternative. And um, so we're, we're happy with that. And we think probably into the future, we'll be able to maintain the walleye fishery in there with, um, with fry stocking. So that's a really, really good thing too. Um, I mean, the, the wiper, I, 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 I listened to your guys' episode and we all know that during the ice season, everybody brought this up, the, the wipers and people keeping a massive load of all these wipers going to get rid of them. It's going to be a harmful thing. I, and I know it's in the back of your guys' mind too, but, uh, did this change your mind or anybody's mind in regards to should we set a limit? Will we set a limit? Uh, are we going to put any regulations on, you know, hybrid bass? Are we going to, or not, or, or white bass or anything like that? Uh, did this help? I guess you can say in regards to you seeing how healthy they are, it's, they're there guys, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to catch them. I mean, uh, right. granted there's going to, people are going to keep, whatever fish within limit, you know, within legal limits. I mean, there's no limit right now, but did it change your mind or, or what do you think about that and, and that topic in a sense? Cause I know it was a touchy subject with a lot of people on social media, of course. It, it certainly was. And we heard about it and um, I'm, I don't know that it, it changed my mind at all. Um, you know, we, we stock the fish for them to be caught so that's it's not like we put them out there and expect nothing to happen so <laughs> um so we do that on purpose and and the reason we do that is for people to catch them and so people are catching them that's kind of what our goal is there's no shortage of prey in big creek okay. there's you know there's a lot of shad the walleyes are are feeding on the shad the hybrid striped bass are feeding on the shad. Those fish keep growing. As long as the shad are there, then we're going to be in a good place in terms of having predators there to utilize that resource. And if we're stocking fish to utilize that resource, then, you know, great. Go ahead and catch them. I mean, I, I if if there, if the populations were having problems, that's when you think about adding a regulation. Mm. Those populations are not really having any problems. So that's not, there's, there's not a real, you know, pressing reason to add a regulation. If, if we were, 
to add one, we would need to take a bunch of data first. And so that's probably why we started with taking some data on the hybrid striped bass on the wipers this spring. What do they look like? What is their condition? What, what are we seeing? So now we have some data on that. Not enough to make any kind of regulation decision. Mm -hmm. um, I would conjecture that if we were going to do anything along those lines, it might be, and this is just a guess, you know, we're, we haven't talked about it. Maybe it would be like a, a one over 18 inches kind of thing so that, you know, it is a hybrid striped bass or, you know, some kind of, you know, you can put whatever number you want in there, one over, three over, five over, something like that. But if the concern is the wipers, then you, you say, okay, above X number of inches, that's not going to be a white bass. That's going to be a wiper. And then that would be potentially, if we were going to do something, that might be what we would do. But there's really no, um, there's no movement in that direction right now because we're putting fish out there for people to catch. So catch them. All right. So people need to listen to this podcast. All right. Let's, let's just get it out of the way. It's not going to change anytime soon. And there's plenty of hybrid bass to be caught there. Just go out there and catch them. They're there to catch. So we can kind of, hopefully if people are listening to this can spread the word like that's it. Yeah. Right. You know, go and catch them. I certainly understand that different individuals have different, ethics. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by an ethic is what they feel is an appropriate number of fish to catch. Okay. What you feel is an appropriate number of fish to catch and take home is maybe different than what Kit feels or what I feel or what Hank and Andy feel. You know, everybody's got their own um, kind of personal ethic in that regard. Mm -hmm. And where this is heading is to me is, you know, certain groups want to have their ethic be the dominant ethic for this particular species, you know, and we have that has occurred with bluegills and crappie and and perch that we've made a decision that 25 is is the cap on that. Um, so and on the Mississippi River, we have that for white bass. We have limits for white bass. So, um, yeah, it's it's certainly possible. But that's that's the path that this is that this is taking. Is you know where if something is going to happen in that regard, then you know it's kind of at this juncture a social regulation more than a biological re regulation and and defining for the masses what that ethic should be. Nope. So the take home is don't waste the resource, take what you want, take what's appropriate and necessary and you know, go from there. So Jeff just said, use common sense. <laughs> People, I did. Fishermen Absolutely. use common sense pretty much. Simple as that. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> common sense sometimes isn't so common, but, uh, I'm going <laughs> to, well, the, the hybrids, they, the reason why they're in our waterways is due to the DNR's efforts of stocking them, correct? Absolutely. There's, they, they don't exist naturally out there. That's right. a, that's a, a white bass 
crossed with an ocean striped bass, okay? We don't have ocean striped bass here. These, these hybrids grow bigger, stronger, they fight better, they're more fun to catch, um, you know, and, and they utilize a resource that's readily available in certain systems, like Big Creek, like Sailorville and Red Rock, like Ada Hayden, although I think they pretty much almost eliminated the shad from Ada Hayden, but right. like Blue Heron, you know, and so we put them in these systems where there may be limited other opportunities to catch fish. Like, for example, Ada Hayden up here in Ames. You know, that's a big gravel pit. It's not going to support a great bluegill fishery. It's because there's no littoral zone. There's not a lot of weeds. It's going to have some nice bass. There's going to be some good catfish if you want. We put rainbow trout in there. Why? Because it provides an opportunity. There were shad in the system. We put hybrid striped bass in there because the shad were there to take advantage of that food supply and have a fish that people want to catch available to them in a place that's appropriate. You know, absolutely. They're there because we put them there and we put them there because it's a, it's a system that, that can handle it. That, that it's appropriate for and and we want to provide a different opportunity a different option for people to catch fish hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm it's curious, a lot like, more fun to go to ada hayden and catch an 18 inch wiper than to catch a four inch bluegill <laughs> yeah for sure true yeah so where are these hybrids coming from are like are we like crossing them here in the state or are we bringing them in from out of state we bring them in from out of state. Uh, we get them either from Kansas or from Arkansas for the most part. Kansas has some nice hybrids. <laughs> they do. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of commercial uh, aquaculture in Arkansas. Some of the places we get them from down there. Yep. Interesting. Um, I think well, Fishing Kid was asking, what do you guys actually do with the, the data that you guys, you know, record from the nettings? Like, I know you, you record them and then what do you, what does that data actually do for, for you or for anybody else? I mean, what do you guys, what does the Iowa DNR do with that data? Well, we, we're going to start sharing it again pretty soon. <laughs> Would you like to see it? Sure. Yes. We talked, we touched on it a little bit on the last time we got together, but now Jeff's got some, got something to show us. So, so the people who are listening to the podcast, uh, we'll, we'll do the best we can to explain what, what Jeff is going to be doing here. Uh, I'm going to make you a host here so you can kind of share your screen. Uh, but the people who are, are going to see this on you know, YouTube and everything, you guys are going to want to take a look at this. Cause it's pretty, uh, pretty in, in, in enhancing. You're, you're going to want to see this. Hold on. Let me make you a host here, Jeff. And, so in 2018, our, um, our ability to provide our survey data to the anglers of Iowa ceased to exist sometime, hopefully in April, you will be able to go to the Iowa DNR website and see something like I'm showing right now. This is our data dashboard. This is the internal. We don't have the outward facing uh, ready to go quite yet, but uh, a selection of the things that I'm going to show you. Uh, well, the things I'm going to show you are what's going to be available to the public, but not everything you see here is going to be available to the public. Yeah. So, so the people who are listening, uh, Jeff's just sharing his screen, but what he's showing us is the Iowa DNR survey project. And it's just a dashboard that it looks like we're going to be able to navigate through on the website, correct? 
Yep. So what we're going to do is we're going to now go to our survey summary reports. So it's just a summary of like the data that we collect when we're out there. And uh, we were messing around a little bit earlier. I pulled up some data from Big Creek Lake and I pulled up all of our sampling from Big Creek from last year, 2020. So uh, this does not actually include our spring and fall gill netting work because we didn't do that in 2020 because of uh, COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and we haven't integrated uh, that spring gill netting work because, because of our work with Iowa State, uh, there's students that will be publishing on that. So this is more um, our internal survey work that we do our monitoring of lakes. So this mm -hmm. is what our staff uh, did standalone. Uh, in, in May and June, we go out and do electrofishing for bass and panfish. In July and August, we go out and set nets to look uh, at our catfish populations. And in September, we go out and set nets uh, to look at our crappie population. So I've selected those three different surveys. Uh, we have 30 different nets or shocking runs with over a, a 1,080 fish that we captured uh, at Big Creek. Wow. Um, you can see the sampling type summary, we, we show that we did electrofishing at a variety of locations. There's also fike netting, which is what we do for the, the crappies, and hoop netting, which is what we do for the catfish. Wow. Uh, you can see uh, or listen to me, we had uh, 500 bluegills, um, 280 white bass, um, a few hybrid striped bass. Uh, we have the counts, the minimum and maximum lengths for those fish the average length for each species of fish. Uh, we have weights and um, we have some information about the size of the fish. And I'll, I'll go into more uh, on the next slide or the next screen about what some of this stock density stuff means. Yeah, and for yeah. people, people are listening, you, if you're a numbers person or if, if you want to see, you, you have to see this. I mean, Jeff, like he was just saying, it shows you literally the average catch that you guys are netting. It shows you how many, it's just a numbers game. This is game changing, I think, in a sense for anglers. I think it's going to help you know, how they plan out, you know, specific species that they're going to, you know, target and where this is, this is definitely game. I mean, in my, in my opinion, this is, it helps. It, it enhances the, the, the fishing to making it, uh, it, how you plan out for it. Right. You know? Absolutely. And the next thing I show you will be even better. This is, this is, if you're interested about one particular, lake, what I'm showing you right now is the, 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 everything in the kitchen sink about that lake. Um, it shows a map that has all of our different sampling locations and the size of uh, the bubble uh, indicates how many fish we caught at each of those locations. And then we call the, the these are kind of the cool graphs in technical jar jargon. These are length frequency histograms. Hmm. So the length of the bar from left to right indicates how many fish were caught and the vertical axis is in half inch increments. So you can see we have a whole lot of fish that are about black crappie that are seven and a half to eight inches in, um, in Big Creek. Mm -hmm. um, the bluegills, uh, the majority of those, almost a hundred fish in the um, seven and a half to eight inch category. We're not seeing many fish up to 10 inches. Mm. 
um, the largemouth bass, is that, yeah, largemouth bass, uh, fish up to and over 20 inches, uh, over here to the walleyes, um, fish, you know, in the upper 20 inch range. Wow. And this is, you know, this is from sampling when we're not targeting walleyes. So musky and walleyes, we're not sampling at a time that we're actually going to be very effective looking for those with the data that we're presenting here. And so this is pretty much all incidental. Um, and that's, that's not a true reflection of the quality of, of that, the fishery for those species. Um, pretty good information here on the white bass though. Lots of fish in that uh, 10 to 12 inch size range. And then there's also some uh, white white and, and hybrid striped bass mm -hmm. in that system, a few white crappies and a few yellow perch. Mm. So can we just keep this for ourselves? <laughs> Man, this is a, amazing information. No, this, um, are any other States, do they do anything like this besides? Cause uh, so I'm not we, sure. we fashioned this, this is similar to what like Minnesota does with their Lake finder. Okay. But, you know, we've, this is brand new. So there's, there's stuff here that's presented in a little different manner. Uh, they've got some more um, report capabilities where like some of this stuff is written up. Whereas right now for us, this is mostly just numbers, numbers mm -hmm. and data. So uh, you'll have the ability to print this. Uh, there's a little uh, thing up here in the corner where you can print and it actually uh, you'll enter your email address and it will send you a PDF with this whole survey, um, you know, sent right to your inbox. So nice. That is that's awesome. We're going to go yeah. back now. This this is like this is my favorite thing. I mean, this is the the the, the geek coming out. <laughs> but, so right here, we are looking at all the bluegills caught in the last 12 years. Wow. And uh, we can pick whatever species you want. These colored bars tell you the numbers of fish in each size category. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a quality size bluegill is between six and eight inches. A preferred is eight to 10 inches. A memorable is 10 to 12 inches and a trophy is greater than 12 inches. So do you want to know where we've sampled the most preferred size? Yeah. Let's, let's find out where the most, man, this is crazy. Okay. Yeah. Holy cow. Oh. <gasps> hey, don't so, go we're, we're, hey, you're going to have to blur that out, Kit. <laughs> we, we, we don't want people to know. Just kidding. <laughs> now, now, granted, bluegills only live six to eight years, and this is, um, you know, like 16 years of data or whatever. Mm -hmm. So how about what we had in 2020? Mm. Wow. Go. Yeah. So just for the listeners, uh, he, what Jeff is on, he, he's on a different tab on the, uh, the, the website and everything. He's able to kind of show us, um, I guess you could say this is kind of a, a graph of yep. all the fish caught, uh, of a specific species. And right now he's, he's just searching through bluegills and it, yep. it, it lists all of the lakes in Iowa here and this, you know, wherever they did the surveys and you can pretty much see where, which lake has the most blue or at least that you guys have caught the most bluegills, I guess you can say, right? 
That's correct. That's correct. So, and Prairie Rose is a system we've talked about having great bluegills for a while. And there it is, uh, you know, right near the top of the list. Nice. Badger Creek, right outside of Des Moines. Quality bluegill fishery. There you go. Um, yeah, basically this helps you break down a, a lake like instantly for those people that are trying to scout new lakes, you know, what's in there. You know, should I, should I even try this lake for, let's say, bluegills? Like, yep. instead of look, you know, maybe you're thinking about some lake that's near the near the bottom of the list, and then looking at that, you'll probably reconsider, like, well, maybe I don't want to go there to catch bluegills, then I'll mm-hmm. try one of these other lakes. This is so cool. I'm cracking another beer. I'm doing the block party now. <laughs> I'm, doing, <laughs> I'm doing a new, this is, no, this is so cool, because what Kay, uh, Fishing Kid was saying is, is completely great. It's like, you if you're going to go camping, let's say you're taking a family or your friends or family, you go into a specific lake. Now you can kind of technically really game plan. Like, okay, well this lake has a ton of this, you know, that's what you guys have been catching the last couple of years. Yep. And this is what you can, you don't have to waste your time trying to catch walleye. That lake does, you know, technically doesn't have that much walleye, but if it has a ton of, you know, white bass or bluegills or crappies, you can definitely target that. So that's actually really cool. Yep. Yeah, you can select your year, you can select the species. So this particular graph, the state of Nebraska puts out an annual fishing forecast and they have graphs exactly like this for a wide variety of species, probably a dozen species. And it shows these stacked bar graphs that show, you know, by each size category, how many fish in each one of those lakes. And they print that and distribute that once a year. Hmm. We do it on the fly. Hmm. And as soon as we collect the data for this next year and and review it, it'll be in there for 2021. Okay. It's, you know, there is such a huge difference between, oh, I can look at this piece of paper, you know, that they printed out from last year or, what am I seeing real right now in real time? And so, uh, oh, I, you know, maybe, and we don't sample everywhere every year. So maybe you want to select, you know, a different year. What did it look like in 2019 versus 2020? You know, and okay, so Blackhawk Lake had really good largemouth bass, you know, and three mile in 2019. Versus in 2020, we did different kind of sampling, a lot of small fish at Sejima, but some really solid numbers at Little River. And, um, you know, and Blackhawk was was good, too. It's, like you know, what, seventh down there on the list, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in 2018, data is going to be pretty valid also. Okay, there's Lake uh, Wapalo, Lake Miami, um, West Okaboji, you know, there's a variety of ways to look through this and, and, you know, boom, you select a different year. It immediately generates that graph. You want to know about, um, black crappie instead of largemouth bass. Mm-hmm. Boom. There it is. Hmm. That was from 2018. I want the 2020. Day. Yeah. We want the 2020, you know, <laughs> there it is. Hmm. Really? Um, you know, I'm a tournament director and I want to know which lakes my anglers are going to be most likely to catch legal fish. 
Boom. Wow. Click a couple of buttons. Maybe I should schedule a tournament at Blackhawk. There's tons of tournaments at Little River. Um, you know, there's tons of tournaments at Green Valley. You know, hmm. what about some of these other systems? Yeah. No, this is good information for, like you just said, the tournament directors or anybody who's hosting a tournament uh, or, or fundraiser or anything like that. This is good stuff because, like you just said, like, you know what? If I'm doing a, like, if somebody's going to host a, a kayak tournament for specific species, this is going to be amazing to them because they can look like, well, this lake has most of this stuff. I can set something up right there. So that's really cool. Yep. Yep. So. And all the all the species are are available there. So nice. So yeah. um, next time I see somebody on Facebook asking about a lake, what's in there? Like, uh, let me direct you to this little website that the Absolutely. DNR has put together. Yeah, yeah, this is this is no, this is um, definitely going to help. Not just, I mean, I think it's just going to help for the. Uh, the enjoyment of fishing and planning. I think that's the cool part of yep. it. Uh, so you said April, is that when your guys are? That's this- my target. I right. hope to get it out in the, in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Okay. So oh, awesome. Cool. Cool. And then um, I know that there are individuals that want all of the, what we've been presenting is a lot of um, um, comparative data and summarized data. There are people who are going to want to have all of the, raw data so we're going to have that available too wow. you want to download all of the 2020 electrofishing data for big creek have at it you know wow right here export the data you know however many and it and it'll export it to excel and you can you can data mine to your heart's content <laughs> that is really cool and man that's insane that's awesome man i like i like how you build in the tools for like the true fishing geeks out there <laughs> you know you know fishing kit is going to be on this for like days and days and this is going to be it's called cool. a rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> yep i can definitely see that i mean actually any it doesn't even matter if uh, uh if you're a geek or not just people who love fishing in a sense and just kind of want to get into it and plan this is something yep. like you just said though you can i can see myself on this for like at night for like a couple hours just trying to figure out my plan for the weekend or or you know whatever trip i'm going to be taking so this is really cool that was the entire goal is to have have something that that can really satisfy the needs of our anglers across the board from from the people that just want to you know maybe plan a, a trip to a park and 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 see what's going on there to those that want to do a deep dive into the data themselves so yeah. And I think the, the, the biggest thing too, though, is the real time thing, like you were saying, um, once you guys do a survey and then you guys going to literally just going to be uploaded. So I think that's crucial because like you were saying, a lot of other States, what, you know, that we've been to it, I fished that, or even looked up is they're always like months or if not years behind in regards to. And so data. were we, <laughs> yeah. we were too. <laughs> true, this true. is a, this is going to be a positive change. Yep. Yeah. So that's really, really cool. 
We didn't even talk about Brushy Creek. All right, let's jump. In. Yeah, okay. So we, we can. Uh, so everybody, like I said, uh, fishing kit. We'll, we'll we'll grab the the link and everything once you, you you can provide that to us whenever you're ready on that. Once it's up and ready and it's live on that, uh, Jeff, and we can just send out all to our listeners, and um, that way they can just go there and, and really start looking into it. Because I'm telling you that I think every that that I hope, I hope your uh, servers can handle because it's gonna get it's gonna get bombarded at least initially. I know for sure. So it's going to be fun. It's going to, it's going to be pretty yep. cool to see that. Uh, uh, you know, we, the DNR sends out a press release on, on Tuesdays. And so it should be um, one of the next couple of Tuesdays that we'll have something in our press release. I think the, the web address is going to be fishdata.iowadnr.gov. Um, and so that's not publicly available yet, but, uh, but that's where it's going to be. And we're going to have links to it off of our, dnr fisheries web pages so yeah it'll be right there can't wait can't wait uh it's pretty cool tell us how, how did it go at brushy uh yep. what was the difference between there uh and big creek like what it, was everything the same the way you guys the process and everything or is it different and, and, and how did it go the process is all the same okay. but um we have you know brushy creek is the second deepest lake in the state. Only West Okaboji really is, is deeper. Um, maybe a couple of the gravel pits might be in that range. Uh, there's a gravel pit in Atlantic. There's Ada Hayden here names that are, that are really deep, but um, brushy being so big and so deep, it takes a long time to warm up. So I think that over the years when we've been up there, it's just still been cold and we've been early on in the spawn and maybe we didn't see all the fish that were there because this year when it got so warm so fast we saw numbers of fish that were close to double what we had seen in the past wow first off so we would have expected maybe 75 fish a night at big creek and we were seeing 120 to 150 fish a night, you know, a lot more fish. And I will say like the first night we were up there, we got maybe 40, 50 fish out of our nets. I've never seen, and and we had like 140, 150 fish total. I've never seen a sample of walleyes that had that many fish that big. I mean, they were... I can't tell you how many fish over 25 inches we had. Jeez. It was phenomenal. Wow. Um, just crazy. So we had unbelievably great numbers of fish at Big Creek and unbelievably great fish size at Brushy. Uh, there's somebody a, a week or two ago was fishing up at Brushy and caught a 31-inch walleye. That's been going around on social media a little bit. We, we also caught a 31-inch walleye in our nets at, at, at Brushy. We caught one at Big Creek and one at Brushy also. Um, but, wow, just so many fish bigger than 25 inches. So many fish bigger than 22 inches. And, and historically, maybe they weren't as fat, as plump as, as fish other places. 
but the the yellow perch have really come on at at brushy in the last few years there's not great size to those yellow perch but there's great numbers and the walleyes are really taking advantage of that food resource and so they are fat and happy i mean the <laughs> the body condition on those fish is is just out of this world outstanding yeah basically the forge in bay creek is shad for walleyes and then at brushy creek they're um, yellow perch huh that is correct that should influence your lure type selection <laughs> so i shouldn't throw my shad colored lures at brushy creek <laughs> you i'm not saying you won't catch fish but i am saying that uh, they may be tuned into a little different uh forage item than your shit flicker shad <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're, we're definitely gonna have to make a trip there kitten kayak fish up there it was, it's like he said it's big it's a big like well we'll have to it's big and it's tough. Okay. You know, you, it's a hard lake to learn. And there are people who have uh, spent a lot of time and are very successful. And there are people who have spent a lot of time and are not very successful. Yeah. And first timers are rarely successful. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we'll, we'll do a little bit better. I mean, I don't know. I, I like we were talking. I, I didn't do too well ice fishing this this past season. Um, I, I just caught a bunch of little panfish. How did you, did you get a chance to get out ice season a lot at all or at all? No, zero. No. It was rough. It was it was it was a rough winter for me. So Man. yeah, uh, just you know. One of them things I had the, I set up the ice shack. I had the ice shack in the back of the truck and, um, I got busy. I was deer hunting through the end of late muzzleloader in January. And then after that was over, that's when I set up my ice shack and I had, um, you know, some stuff going on that, that I was busy with in Feb in January. And then when I had time to go in February, mm -hmm. it's too cold to fish. <laughs> we, we, I mean, just, yeah, I hate we, to we say don't. that, but it was too cold to fish there for like two weeks. It was too and cold to ice like, fish. You're right. It was over and gone, you know? And yeah. so it was like, yeah. ugh, it was tough. We were the idiots that fish in the yellow best bonanza in minus 40 degree weather. And yeah, you're right. It, it totally was too yeah. cold to be ice fishing. Crazy. Uh, maybe I'm getting soft in my old age. You know, <laughs> the younger me might've gone out and done that, but the older me was like, there's gotta be a better day than today. No, it's the wiser one. Cause trust me, me, me and kid look at each other. We did not want to be out there. I'm not going to lie. When it was that blistering cold, we're like, gosh, we're a bunch of idiots. It was, it was pretty miserable. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so spring is up. Um, what do you recommend to, uh, the anglers that, uh, you know, right now it's open water, ice is gone, springs up, summer's going to be coming here pretty soon. Uh, as, as, as knowledgeable Iowa DNR person that you are, what would you recommend to, uh, a person like myself that's going to, you know, I'm excited to go out there and fish. I mean, what, what recommendations, whether it's body of water or anything like that, or, or lures or anything, or just locations or anything like that, is there anything you'd recommend? Absolutely. So, you know, one of the, one of the really interesting species we have is red ear sunfish and they almost always have fantastic body condition. 
they're like a bluegill on steroids because they just get bigger and thicker, but they're not accessible to the anglers really other than when they're spawning in the, in the spring. So this time of year, you know, in, in May, um, when, when those panfish are spawning is a fantastic time to get on some readier sunfish and Badger Creek really has a phenomenal population of, um, red ears and bluegills. Mm -hmm. So one place I would, I would say to go, uh, in, in May would probably be heading, heading over there for some red ears. Also Hawthorne Lake, which is, um, over by Montezuma. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Um, another place with really high quality red ear sunfish. Um, so those are, those are, you know, something that you may not spend much time fishing for, but is really worth your time if you get on some good ones. Um, early spring, um, before the water gets too dirty, Littlefield is a really great place uh, to fish over uh, between Anita and Audubon. Um, Prairie Rose has been really good for a while. If you're going to, you know, go for a, a camping weekend, head over to Harland Prairie Rose State Park and... Um, and hit the camper and catch you know, really high quality bluegills, high quality uh, crappie. Early spring crappie fishing is is you know off the charts. Um, if you're if you're fishing from shore, someplace like Roberts Creek uh, down by Pella, um, Don Williams has a good looking crappie population right now. Um, can't go wrong in, in any of those Creston area lakes, um, just across the board, Creston's off the charts, you know, bass, bluegill, crappie, um, bonus walleyes down there. Uh, that's, that's all really good. I'm going to make sure and take an early May trip up to Clear Lake, the yellow bass population up there. Those, those fish are, are pretty big. Um, we saw them in our, in our end of the year surveys, uh, this past year. So I expect, you know, they may, may be getting toward the end of their life. They're going to be at their largest during the spawn this spring. So, mm -hmm. uh, a trip to Clear Lake, um, crappies at Clear Lake are out of this world. Um, so I, I'm for sure, I'm going to take a trip up to Clear Lake. Are you going to be shore fishing or are you going to be on a boat in Clear Lake? Uh, I like to go wader fishing, wade out okay. to the island and wade out there. Mm -hmm. uh, also in um, both in the reeds, kind of if you go to McIntosh Woods on the east side, you've got the reeds, uh, a lot of good yellow perch and crappie fishing on the reeds side. If you go to the Ventura side on the west side, uh, get out into the reeds and out into the cattails and high quality bluegills and crappies out there. You can access all that stuff in a kayak too. Uh, you can do the exact same stuff, whether you're wader fishing or kayak fishing and you can move around faster in the kayak. So all right, all that'd be really good. <laughs> I was asking for us, <laughs> for us kayak fishermen, because you know what? You're, you're right about the size of the, uh, of the yellow, yellow bass. And Kit was saying that he goes, dude, we, we got to take our kayaks this year because granted the numbers aren't like a tremendous amount, but the size that we were catching uh yellow bass up there they they are large i'm not yeah they're they're pretty large 
I don't know if you listened to, I think it was the January podcast. We had Kevin Paul on for our, our DNR podcast. Yep. And he was telling about how he had an angler come out that was targeting 15 inch crappies. And they had one like within a half hour, just <laughs> monster crappies on clear leg. Yeah. Man. Did you guys catch the, uh, the April podcast that we did where I talked about the potato gun? Uh, yes, yes yes when you took your trip it was uh yes. it was the the lady's husband right <laughs> yes yes it was fantastic that was it's one of my favorite things i've ever seen yes yeah. it was awesome i wish i would have taken some pictures and video yeah so to our listeners who who don't know you guys got to get on uh jeff jeff's on the the podcast with uh ross peterson they they do a monthly podcast for the iowa dnr so make sure you guys check them out we we check them out monthly uh it's pretty cool i, I love what you and ross do it, it really does enhance in regards to the iowa dnr i think uh gives you us gives us an opportunity as as listeners and what's going on type of thing and uh you coming on here just giving us the information like that is pretty pretty badass of you man Thank you so much, Jeff. <laughs> anytime, anytime. I love talking to you guys. This is this is fun. This is this is a a fun part of the job, and I I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity because, uh, you know, it's it's not it's not my knowledge to keep inside. It's my knowledge to share. It's my information to share, and I'm happy to do so. And it's uh, it's it's wonderful to have avenues to share that information and opportunities to do so. And, and I really appreciate that you guys take the time to do this and, and support us and the fishing community uh, with, with what you're doing. And, and so thank you. This is, this is yeah. great. Awesome. Uh, thank yeah. you. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause I'm, I'm happy to do this. It's been like six months since yeah. we did this and yeah. you know, I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy to do this. Yeah. And, and, and we had Tyler, you know, Tyler Stubbs on a couple, couple months ago. So it was kind of cool just to have you guys on and, 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 you know, myself and kid was just talking. We're like, we, we got to keep it local too. Uh, we, we do have a lot of listeners because FYI, you're now you're going to see a bunch of <laughs> out of staters are going to come there like listen to our podcast. We do have a lot of <laughs> listeners in Nebraska, in Minnesota, uh, in, in uh, all the, you know, the whole U S we have the West coast and everything. They're listening to us. It's pretty cool. pretty crazy, but uh, yeah, no, it's just uh, to have you on. Cause we love to keep it local. And then on top of that, just that, you know, we were talking, we got to have Iowa DNR at least on our, our podcast quarterly because just to keep us updated, what's going on because we fish here. I mean, yes. we, we travel and fish a little bit once in a while, but you know, 99% of the time fishing kid myself, we fish in Iowa. Our listeners are 90% from Iowa, even though we have everybody else from everywhere else. But um, it's kind of cool just to have you on here and then just, you know, once we get an opportunity, I, I definitely want to talk to some more uh, Iowa DNR people because I'm pretty sure they have other different expertise that they can uh, give us. And it'd be kind of cool just to kind of, you know, talk to them and, and learn a little bit more about that. So absolutely. I've, I've got, I've got the, the Rolodex if you, if you need that. <laughs> Sounds good. So fishing kit, you got anything else for Jeff, man? This is uh it's been a short hour in my eyes because man, I just like, there's so much more information, but um, I know he he's already spent a lot of time with us. Cause I know you're a busy man, but you got anything else for him guy? Oh yeah. I got a, I think I got a pretty, pretty good one here. So like in Iowa or the beer for that, for this yeah. question. Uh, actually. Yes, I do. I'll, <laughs> I'll be right back. 
Thank you for joining us at uh, Beerfish Fanatics. And this episode is actually brought to you by Whisker Seeker Tackle. So make sure you guys go to whiskerseeker.com for all your catfishing gear. Um, but yeah, I just got my, my pedal kayak because I finally upgraded this year. Um, oh, yeah? Because after cause last year we were uh, up at Clear Lake. We took our kayaks up there. I struggled. It was it wasn't super windy, but it was windy enough to where I was looking to Kit. Kit's over here pedaling, free-handed pedaling, but he was staying, you know, uh, with with the wind and the drift, you know, drifting not so much. My buddy, he has a pedal kayak doing the same thing, and I couldn't stay still unless I anchored down. And it was just one of those things where, all right, this free to be able to, to, to be on a kayak and be, you know, completely free handed, be able to fish. It makes a big difference. I was like, all right, I had to do it this year. So I, I actually told my wife, I go <clears throat> stimulus check, at least <laughs> a little bit, something I, I got to get a pedal kayak. So I actually finally took the dive and, um, I, I got it. It was about two weeks ago. So I've been kind of just working on it. So hopefully I can get that out with kit this weekend. That's what I'm I actually, Perfect. I'm super, super excited to get it out this weekend and see, uh, how, how it does and how I do to be able to be hands-free fishing on the kayak. So excited. Good for you. I'm, that sounds <laughs> awesome. I, I, I'm still on the paddle kayak. So <laughs> Well, we, we got to get together. We, we'll get together uh, so we can go kayak fishing with you so you can kind of show us the ropes if you don't mind on that one, Jeff. <laughs> oh, I do want to hit the yellow bass spawn on the kayak. There you and go. you mentioned that you, you're planning on hitting that bite. So let us know if you, if you let us know, we'll, 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 I mean, for sure. Fishing kit, I will, I'll talk to the boss, see if she's not on call or anything like that. I'll see if I can schedule something. We'll, that'll be pretty yeah. fun to, to get up there. Yeah, you don't have to be on the kayak, Jeff, if you don't want to. I'll, yeah. I'll be out there on the kayak. <laughs> you just you just guide us in what direction. <laughs> so I'll see be, what I can do. There you go. There you go. All right. Cheers, guys. Got a new beer. Um, oh, yes. I am the drinker today. Yeah, I got myself a block party from Kelowna Brewery. Oh, cheers, man. It's the New England style hazy IPA. Yep. I did that too. What do you got? Are you, are you drinking? Ah, I got did you crack open here. your uh, freaking no, big I, boy? I I went with the hand size. <laughs> I've got a RPM IPA from Boneyard Beer in Bend, Oregon. A buddy of mine acquired some beer in uh, out in Oregon and um, sent it my way. So, nice, uh, nice. We're gonna have to talk about some West Coast beers uh, at this juncture. Yeah. Um, my wife, actually, her old classmate when she was in college, uh, somehow they opened up a brewery up there in Oregon area. So I'm going to have to reach out to them. Yeah, that'd, that'd be kind of cool to, to find out where that location is. So cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. All right, Kit. So what's the, the doozy question? I want to know now, too. Well, I don't know if doozy is the right word or not. but uh, <laughs> So I'm, I'm kind of coming off of the your podcast that you guys did with the, the DNR for April. So in Iowa, uh, I'm guessing we're basically on the tail end of a walleye spawn. It, it, am I not mistaken? You're 100% correct. Yep. Okay. So like in Iowa, we have a pretty robust walleye stocking program. And, you know, walleyes, walleyes can reproduce, unlike the hybrids. So why do we need such a robust program in Iowa if 
if um, we're not, I mean, if walleyes can spawn. Walleyes can spawn. Walleye natural reproduction is much more limited than it would be in pristine conditions. Mm. So um, if you think about Canadian lakes where you go walleye fishing, there's one cabin per lake, you know, it's, <laughs> it's very limited in terms of how much development there is around the lake. And for walleyes to successfully spawn, you have to have kind of light to gradually wind-blown shores that are relatively clean and sandy. And the, the action of the wind rolls the eggs a little bit. And, um, and it's got to be somewhat clean water. It's just not a situation that we have a lot of here in Iowa. And I, I just saw a graphic the other day. April is the windiest month in the state of Iowa. And so we, we just have conditions that are a little too harsh in terms of the quality of the water, the quality of the, an amount of the particular necessary habitat for that to sustain itself naturally. So we have a angling constituency that that really likes to walleye fish. And so in order to satisfy those needs, um, there, we need an aggressive stocking program to fulfill that desire from our anglers. Um, the, the lakes in Iowa, you're going to have a little bit of natural reproduction successful in a few of the natural lakes, probably not at all in any of our uh, constructed lakes, impoundments, reservoirs. That, that's just the, the habitat doesn't exist. You can have some natural reproduction in some of our rivers, but again, the majority of our of our walleyes and our interior rivers at least are the result of our stocking program. The only place you're really likely to catch a walleye that was not stocked is either the is the Mississippi River, potentially maybe the Missouri River, but even a lot of those fish are stocked in the big reservoirs in South Dakota. Hmm. So um, if we don't stock it, you probably aren't you, you didn't catch. And it's the same thing with catfish in, in our lakes. You know, we have a little bit of natural reproduction in some of our natural lakes, but in our constructed lakes and reservoirs, almost all of those catfish are stocked. You know, wow. yeah. yeah, I didn't know that about the catfish. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Now in the Des Moines River, you're, that's, a, that's a catfish that spawned and probably, you know, we didn't stock that fish. But if you if you are uh, at Easter Lake, absolutely we stock that fish, no question. If you're well, 
The Gray's Lake's a bad example. If you're out at Rock Creek, you're at Badger <laughs> Creek, any place like that, you know, that is a, if you catch a catfish, we stock that fish. Hmm. Yep. Oh, that makes sense about the walleye one. That was very um, informative. I had no idea. I mean, it make it make, it makes complete sense when you when you explain it the way you just did. Um, yeah, we don't have the same. I guess you know, like you were saying the same habitat as Minnesota or up in Canada um, areas, and that's why they're able to have those types of walleyes. And yep. And even in Minnesota, they stock a lot of walleyes. I mean, we stock 140 million walleyes. They, they stock way more walleyes than that. I don't know what the numbers are, but way more walleyes than that. Well, they're a bunch of walleye snobs, though, up there. <laughs> <laughs> and they're happy to admit it. Yeah, we, we catch walleyes that are, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, that's, that's, their, that's their thing in Minnesota. But it's kind of weird. That's your thing. But then uh, we see your cars here on the weekend. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I see your cars here on the weekend. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. So if, um, if you guys, uh, for our listeners that really want to check out uh, how the whole stocking program works. Um, the Iowa DNR's most recent podcast goes into like the nitty gritty, like all the details. Cause that's, that's, that's what kind of inspired my question for you there, Jeff. Oh, but, thank you. I appreciate you listening to that. And yeah, we had Jay, our hatchery manager from Rathbun on, and he, he, he did a deep dive into, into some of the details. That's for sure. Uh, the DNR also, I forget if it's on our Facebook or our Twitter, but uh, we did a video, Ben Wallace up at, uh, up at our Blackhawk Lake office at Lakeview, did a video of what they do at, at, at our Storm Lake facility where we do walleye collection. And uh, I don't remember how many minutes that video is, but it's really cool. They did a great job, just kind of, you know, a, a show and tell of what, uh, the walleye work looks like at Storm Lake. And so that that's worth looking up also. Mm. And um, I was just thinking, what what was the fry count that uh, that Jay mentioned? Was it 140 million fry yep. or something? Yep, we're going to stock about 140 million fry. Yep. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> and, it, and, you know, that brings me back to the whole Big Creek, Brushy Creek thing. Stocking fry at Big Creek makes that fishery a really quality walleye fishery. And we rarely see fry stocked fish at Brushy Creek. It's the advanced fingerlings that are, that are really making the difference at Brushy Creek. And I can't tell you what the difference is, mm. why the fry work at one place and not the other, but that's why we do this research, you know, to, to figure that out. So, you know, we stock what's appropriate for the one system that works there in that system and in another system that doesn't work. And if we want to, to have a quality walleye fishery at Brushy Creek, we have to, we have to stock those advanced fingerlings for that to work there. Hmm. Yeah. So like the advanced fingerling, how old are those fish? Those are fish that, that we spawn and hatch in April and we stock them in October and, and we've grown them to eight inches by October. So they're, you know, they're six months old when we stock them. Oh, that's pretty fast. Yep. Yeah. The, the walleye researchers that we have uh, at our Rathbun facility are some of the best in the world. That's, and I'm not, Alan Johnson and his team down there at the Rathbun uh, research facility are just absolutely top notch. And uh, they've really figured out how to how to grow these fish, and and they 
they do a heck of a job. Mm. I just, I'm in awe of the quality of work that they do. Yeah. Is, is there any particular reason why the hatchery is at Rathbun or that just happens to be like, Oh, here's this well, impoundment. Right. You know, that, that lake was built in the early 1970s and that was a time that we needed to expand our hatchery facilities here in the state of Iowa. So uh, the water supply was available, the land was available. And so, you know, you combine those things together and that's, that's why that facility was built at that time. And, you know, that was a time when we were doing a little bit more um, catfish work. And so being in the southern part of the state, the growing season is longer than uh, in the northern part of the state. So and that's part of the reason why we can grow the walleyes to the size they are, too, is, you know, that that warmer water uh, down there and a little bit longer growing season. So okay. it's it's well placed to help us achieve our our management goals and, and our stocking goals. Mm. So where's the other hatcheries at? I think we have one in the IGL somewhere, don't we? That's correct. We have one uh, kind of between Spirit Lake and East Okaboji. There's a, a narrow isthmus of land. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're dropping knowledge now. Big words. There's a narrow isthmus of land between Spirit Lake and East Okaboji, and the Spirit Lake fish hatchery is located at that location. Um, we also have our trout hatcheries at uh, Decora, um, Big Spring, and Manchester. Uh, we have a hatchery at uh, Fairport, which is on the Mississippi River south of Muscatine. And we also have um, kind of a small satellite facility at our uh, Mount Air management office. And we, we um, grow some bluegills and some uh, hybrid striped bass at that facility at Mount Air. Okay. So basically the walleyes are coming from two hatcheries. Is, Absolutely. is that what I'm They're getting coming at? from Spirit Lake and Rathman. Oh, for the whole state. Yeah. And, you know, the, we have, uh, speaking of the uh, aquatic invasive species, there are zebra mussels in the Iowa Great Lakes. So the majority of the fish that we um have in that system stay within that system because of our uh, zebra mussel concerns. We don't want to be spreading those with the fish. So, um, so the majority of the rest of the state gets, gets fish from Rathman. Um, can you explain the zebra mussels a little bit? Cause um, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people who are like, what's the big deal? Yeah. I like eating mussels. They're tasty, yeah. right? Right. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> A couple summers ago, I took my daughters to the beach at uh, Otter Tail Lake up in Minnesota, and we're walking out, and I think all three of us cut our feet on the zebra mussel shells. Oh, boy. So zebra mussels are about the size of a fingernail, you know, and um, they're black and white striped, which is why they're called zebra, and um, they are super sharp. And they reproduce like crazy, like in a liter of water, you could have a million baby zebra mussels and you can't Jeez. see, you know, and so, um, and they tend to uh, overpopulate, they tend to, they are very effective at, um, at siphoning the water and cleaning, you know, eating everything that's in the water. And so the native mussels that we might like to eat 
uh, although we can't do that with our native Iowa muscles, but <laughs> that's uh, the native muscle fauna that we have kind of gets outcompeted. And actually those zebra mussels will, will attach on any hard surface. So you'll see a native clam or mussel shell and it'll just be coated with zebra mussels, you know, on the lake bottom. Hmm. Uh, because, you know, if the if it's sitting in a muddy or sandy um, substrate, you know, that's the hard substrate. And so they'll just attach to anything hard. And they are, um, they're very effective at what they do. We don't really have any natural predators for them in our systems. Hmm. So they're harmful to the native um, mussel fauna. They outcompete our larval fish, our baby fish for food resources in our lakes. So they can be detrimental to our fish populations. Um, and like I say, when there can be a million of them in a liter of water, um, spreading them is pretty easy. That's why you see the clean, drain, dry um, stuff, billboards about, you know, you know, not spreading water because by spreading water from one place to the next, you can be spreading these zebra mussels. So um, they're, they're a significant challenge for us to, and, and, and like I say, we can't really stock the fish from Spirit Lake too many other places because we don't want to spread these things around to systems that they're not, not in. Mm -hmm. At this juncture, we want to protect those to the greatest degree that we can. Um, you know, managing and, and maintaining quality fisheries is challenging enough. We don't want to be adding something to that system that makes our work even harder. Makes sense. Is there any way we can get, is there a way to get rid of them or how? There's, there's not, there's not a, a way. The way that we make sure we're not spreading them is by we we put a chemical in the water that the fish can handle but the baby zebra mussels mm. uh, can't it's called potassium permanganate and that that kills the villagers the baby zebra mussels um and so we have we put that and and jay mentioned this in in our podcast uh on kxno about uh the treatments that we we do to those those fish that we that we truck around the state um, but the amount of potassium permanganate you would have to put in a lake to, um, to kill all the zebra mussels in a lake would be like, you know, 17 train loads <laughs> of this chemical <laughs> and just knows what all else you'd kill by doing that. It's just, yeah. it's not feasible. Gotcha. So. So stop spreading it, guys. Wash <laughs> off your boats and your, you know, kayaks and all this. There's a reason why they put that sign up <laughs> dump your bait in the trash not in the lake clean drain dry don't be spreading water don't be spreading you know eurasian water milfoil zebra mussels etc but i don't want to steal you should get kim and jason kim or jason on here to talk about some of this stuff they're the real yeah. experts i i just slept at a holiday Inn express last night <laughs> <laughs> i love it <laughs> Anything else, Kit? Mm. I know. Let you, me look you, at my notes. Let yeah. me look at my notes. I you actually took, I made notes, but I, I, I had a I lot. Think, you guys take notes, and you just expect me to have the answers. Yes. <laughs> but you do. That's a crazy thing. It's like Jeff, the man with all the answers. <laughs> true that. I, I have an answer. Uh, nobody knows whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, <laughs> but I have an answer. Sounds right to me. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, at least you got some credentials to back up your answers. Very true. Or I'm good at BSing one or the other. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, well, let's get away from all the data and research stuff. So, um, spring's fishing coming up. Uh, what, what, what is your, what is your bite that you're looking forward to the most? My, my first and foremost favorite thing is to go up and, and hit that yellow bass bite at mm-hmm. Clear Lake. And, um, you know, that's just, I get up early in the morning, hit the road, try and get there before the sun comes up about 5 a.m. and, um, and catch some fish, uh, usually can, can get some bonus, uh, crappies, especially if you're fishing, uh, in, in, you know, over in the little lake by Ventura fishing those cattails. Um, the yellow perch have really come on at Clear Lake too. I haven't got into them. Actually the biggest smallmouth I've ever caught, uh, in the state of Iowa, I caught, um, yellow bass fishing at Clear Lake right off the Island. So that was pretty, pretty awesome too. Um, I used to like to do some crappie fishing in the spring. I've gotten a little busy to get much of that done, but, um, Don Williams looks to have a really solid crappie population. So I really want to get over there at least once this spring and see if I can't catch some crappies at Don Williams. Um, and then, you know, get a little bit later on, uh, when the water gets a little bit warmer, um, you know, later May, early June, uh, I usually try and, and see what's happening out in Western and Southwest Iowa and maybe I'll, uh, go hit Lake Anita or Prairie Rose or something like that. So those are all, those are all the ones I'm willing to tell you about. Now, if we're in private, uh, there's a couple other spots, maybe. I think okay. he was, try- yeah, he was trying to pry a little bit. I get, I, hey, Kit, you're good, man. I, I, I was waiting for him to answer, but you gotta let us know when you go up there to clear, like, I, uh, we, fish and get myself. We will definitely meet you up there. Um, I want to see this. Uh, I've never caught a, a a yellow bass, not through the ice. So it'd be kind of cool to catch it, you know, open water. So it'd be, it'd be pretty darn cool to do that. Uh, the only other thing was like, um, I just want to mention, cause I don't know if we, we will get an opportunity was, um, are you going to be following Hank a little bit on his, his, uh, escapade here? Cause, uh, so the listeners, if you guys listen to uh, previous episodes, uh, we, we had Hank Kohler on and, uh, he was, he, he's, you know, he went up North, many 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 years ago but this year he's i think this year he's gonna be going down south are you gonna follow him in regards to his whole journey and trip everything on that one i intend to take a couple of days this summer and uh and put in some miles with hank absolutely um hank's got a new website for that it's uh the word one the number four and the word water I'm trying to think if it's water or fish. Can you look that up? Are you, I think it's one for water. And, uh, um, and it's about the trip that he's taking, uh, starting at the exact same spot where he canoed from central Minnesota all the way to Hudson Bay. He's going to go to that exact same spot. I've been at that spot with him a dozen times. And he's going to go the other way and he's going to canoe from, from that same spot to the Gulf of Mexico. And, uh, you know, Hank's one of my best friends and I absolutely, we've already donated to his, 
to his endeavor. Uh, my family has, and um, I intend to, to go for a few days uh, with him on this trip on the Mississippi. So absolutely. That's so cool. So just anybody who's wondering, um, go get the book, uh, The Water Goes North. Yep. Um, and it was kind of cool because I, I read that book when we had uh, Hank on. I read it. Uh, my kids were like, well, Daddy, what are you reading? You know, and I was like, I, I, I literally got entrenched in that book. Um, it's kind of awesome, cool. isn't it? it? It's pretty, pretty darn cool to, to kind of read and to see Hank where he is now and just envisioning him as a young man, um, just going on that journey. It totally made sense. And it totally was like, man, that is so crazy, but it's just like, it's a once in a lifetime thing. And then he's doing this now. So, you know, I, that's why I wanted to ask you because I, I knew you were going to be a little bit a part of it. So that's pretty cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he's raising funds for the, the Mississippi river uh, museum there in Dubuque. Uh, you know, this whole thing is is not about him. It's about, you know, raising awareness, um, thinking about water quality, cleaning up water, taking care of the fish and, you know, and, and making it, um, you know, a fundraiser for that entity that that focuses on uh, those similar goals that that he has. So yeah. it's. It's going to be, it's, it's a great thing that he's doing. And, and I look forward to being a part of it. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Okay, stuff. So, so when does he, when is he supposed to partake on that journey? I it's somewhere around the 10th of June is when he's going to start up in Minnesota. Okay. And, uh, and so it, 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 he's going to go, he's starting at East leaf Lake. So go down to the leaf. He, he's not starting at the headwaters of the Mississippi, which is, you know, what one would normally do but when you've started at a different spot and gone to hudson bay by golly you're going to start at that same spot and go the other direction makes sense so he's going to go down the leaf river to the crow ring crow wing river and then dump into the mississippi and follow the mississippi the rest of the way down okay yeah we're gonna have to have him on before he takes his journey i think so too Absolutely. And, and we are going to, we're also going to have him on our KXNO podcast either in May or in June. So nice. okay. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You should get him, get him back on, uh, soon. We will. Well, we'll definitely do. Cause, um, it was a fun podcast with him. And like he said, it's just, I don't know, something about the stories, uh, that he was telling just, I'm telling you just the stories that he, you know, that he partakes in. It's just, it's, it's just in a way it just blows my mind that, you know, stuff that he's gone through. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. He's, he's a, he's a great guy. He's a great angler. He's a great advocate and he's a great storyteller. There you go. Thousand percent, man. I We got to have them on more. You know what? This is what we do. Kit. We got to have, Jeff and Hank on at the same time. Oh, at the same time. Yeah. BF, BFFs. Literally. It, it would be BFF literally. with the BFFs. <laughs> we could do that. That would be pretty badass. We'll do BFF with the BFFs. I love it. So, you know what? We can make that happen. That's going to be so make cool. that happen. Absolutely. Yeah make that happen we'll, we'll do that before the tr- that'd be so cool we can if if not it's all good but i mean we, we can get that before we can he, wait till after it's yeah, we can, it's yeah that, that could even be better <laughs> we can we can ask we can ask hank hey how, how did jeff do on the, on the trip <laughs> he was horrible couldn't keep up 
It'll be fine. Whining and crying. <laughs> That's what I say. It'll be fine. We we will definitely do that. That's you know what I was just thinking about that. It'll be so much fun to have you you both on, uh, just to give us a little bit about the adventure and and all that good stuff, man. So, anything else, Kit? Man, you man, dude, you got well, some good well, questions I today. I don't want our. I don't want this show to drag on for two hours. <laughs> uh, we got to oh. cut it off at some point. We're, we're at an hour and a half already. I know. Yeah. I should have got out the big beer. It's okay. <laughs> we, we, we could have, we still could, but no, you're right. We don't want to drag it on because everybody's probably listening. Like, but actually, you know what? It's, it's been not only entertained, but very informative. I think what you bring to us, there's a reason why everybody asks. You got to have that, that Iowa guy, that Iowa DNR guy. You got to have him back on. So there's a reason why, uh, like I say, it, it's been a blast. And look at that. My camera even shut off on me. <laughs> yep. I was going to say, what happened? <laughs> no, my, uh, my whole battery shut off on me, dude. Oh. So well, that it- means... That's a sign. That's Nine. a sign. So I had to go to my laptop camera. So, but other than that, man, it's, it's, um, I can't wait to have you back on again, Jeff. I think what you bring to not just our show, but I think what you bring to the Iowa, Iowa DNR to us fishermen in Iowa, definitely appreciative information that you bring. And then I can't wait till hopefully he said in April or May, once that website's up, once it's up and rocking and rolling, I think it, I think I, I truly believe is a game changer for any fisherman here in Iowa. Absolutely. I agree hundred percent. So thank you so much for all your hard work. Thank you for just joining us and can't wait to have you and Hank on at the same time. It's going to be so much fun, man. That'd be great. We're looking forward to it. We'll make that happen. All right. Thank all you right. so much. All, all right. right. Take care, Thanks, fellas. Yeah. Yep. Yep.